closed his eyes, fell into a dream that never dies. And when the thunder comes, you can hear his kingdom in the sky. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and stars of this show, Mark Wiley and Will George. This is a day at the yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, episode 189. And we've got a repeat guest on. I think this is the first, this is the quickest turnaround guest we've had. He had such a great episode last week on our show, Man on Second, with Joe Frazero. We're bringing him back today, and we actually have him scheduled for part three, because I think he's got so much to say and so much to help our audience with the game. We don't want to waste that knowledge. So, uh, but before I introduce our guests, formally want to welcome our stars back, Mark Wiley, Will George. Guys, welcome back to your show. Great to be back, guys. Looking forward to talking with, with Bob. Yeah. yeah. And um, but before we get to Bob, I'll, I'll just a quick message to our listeners and our fans, to our 18,100 subscribers now. We, we bounced over the 18,000 mark. Make sure you continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in baseball right now. If you do that, we can keep providing you great content like we do on this show every week. Hit us up on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher to listen to the show. If you have a different mode, let me know. I'll subscribe to that as well. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I answer one guest live every day on Facebook, and I get back to everybody privately. 511 questions are ready today. I started at 5 this morning. I got the one online already. It was about the two most important skills to have great practices and training sessions. Um, we are now in 72 countries, grassroots baseball, all the way to MLB front offices. So we've got the ears of the right people. And all we're trying to do is build a better baseball IQ. And before we introduce Bob, just my disclaimer for everybody listening, just prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truths about baseball, because this program, like all the programs on our network, really have no time for the comfortable little lies that are being told. So we're going to hit you straight on right here. Uh, so with that, I'm going to keep the preamble short, like I said, but 41 years in baseball, six different clubs has seen it all, has been around at the highest levels. Uh, we heard him on our last show, Man on Second. Bob Johnson, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Love to, love to be, uh, do this for people that want to know something that's actually fact about the game, not the stuff we see on TV now. Yeah. Well, t- you, speaking about TV now, you, we were talking before the show. We'll get you warmed up here, and then Mark and Will will have at you. You were watching the Phillies game last night. Uh, you are talking about Trey Turner, his series, and then leading up to that bat. And I think that's an important thing for our audience to understand pitching sequence and when you have a hitter pinned down not to let him up could you share a little bit about that you're, you're watching. Uh, Trey Turner is a, is a really good player he's having a very bad year as guys often have when they sign big contracts in the first year uh, and his big his problem right now is he can't catch up to good fastballs I mean he's missing them all over the zone he's 0-2 all the time and it's all because t- pitchers are throwing fastballs to him well last night uh, Zach Gowan, who's one of the best pitchers in the National League, got pulled because he threw up he threw a hundredth pitch in the sixth inning, and they oh we can't go over a hundred, so they took him out of the game in the sixth inning when they were one and five to one. Why I don't know, but anyway, it was a bullpen game the rest of the way, and they got to the ninth inning, they were still hanging on to a five three lead. They get a guy on base, Turner comes up, and the reliever who obviously hasn't watched any of the game, and none of the preparers have watched any of the game. They don't understand that Turner hasn't hit a fastball the entire homestand. So what's the first pitch to Turner? Slider. 
hanging slider, two-run homer, tie game. Unbelievable. Nobody watches the game. I don't think anybody watches the game in the dugout. They're all looking at their iPads. Yeah, we talk about that quite so, a bit on the show here. And uh, so Mark, sure. I'll let you interject there. Uh, so Mark, you want to take first one? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's it, we see it all the time because, you know, now I have some time on my hands where I watch a lot of games and and pitches and, and uh, you know, along with not recognizing, you know, the fact that a guy's getting beat with a fastball consistently, which is what you were told from an advanced scout when I was a big league coach, the advanced scout would say, okay, this guy usually hits fastball. He's a fastball hitter, but guess, guess what? This week he's late. He's late consistently. So we could build build uh, around our, our, uh, our strategy on what we wanted to do when he came to town. Now, we always have the ability to adjust if all of a sudden he starts picking up his bat speed. But these are things that people don't seem to pay as much attention to you know, they kind of put it, they put it as a, as a, uh, uh, gospel that, that, uh, you know, the guy can hit a fastball. He's a fastball hitter. Well, that doesn't mean you don't throw in fastballs and it doesn't mean that there aren't pitch sequences you can throw to make the fastball seem even faster. And, uh, you know, that's the stuff that I'm disappointed in when I watch a game now is that I see, I see guys hit pitches that are really good pitches, um, and maybe down away off the plate a little bit, um, and a guy drills it to right field or hits it out, out of the ballpark to the opposite field, and people go, wow, that was unbelievable hitting. Well, it was, and these guys are these are big league hitters for a reason, but sometimes the sequence led him into be having the ability to hit a very what should be a very difficult pitch to hit. And that's the things I don't see discussed on television with the broadcasters they don't teach the people that, you know, that happened because of this. Those five pitches before that led him right into that where he eliminated pitches and he could sit on a certain area and he didn't have to worry about it. maybe a guy coming in because this guy never comes in in those counts and uh, or hasn't showed he will. And they protect better okay. than, uh, than they should be able to. Could you come here a minute? I lost uh, the volume. Uh, uh, you know, I'd, le- I'd love to elaborate just, on that because Bob was an advanced guy for so many years. Mark, you were a pitching coach. And the thing I hear now in the game from analytic people is, you know, when when they're proven wrong, they'll go, well, that was a small sample. That was a small sample or whatever. So the reason why people were pitching Trey Turner that way is over a long sample period not over the actual now that the advance and the pitching coach just watch video and know we can beat them with a fastball. So they go away from the now that you can beat a guy and they're going with the long term that we really don't want to throw him a lot of fastballs because he is a good fastball hitter, but right now he's not. So like you said, Bob, and like you said, Mark, everybody's looking at their iPad and their data sheets, but they're not watching the game seeing that he's not on time right now and we can beat him with fastballs. Yeah, so, 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 you know, but, you know, it's funny when you bring that up, the, well, it's just a small sample. Well, it's right now, though. It's the sample that we need at this moment, and we're, we're using old data 
to pitch him away that's, that's giving right. him a better opportunity <laughs> than we would have could just beat him with fastballs. Shit. See, this is what happens. Go ahead, Bob. This up Bob go ahead. How would you have written that up, Bob? Why don't you? Mark, how about you? When you were pitching coach and you saw that, how would you have written that up or translated well, that? You know, it's, it's in-game coaching um, when you observe things. Sometimes you observe changes in a guy. Um, major league hitters sit on pitches. And sometimes a guy that's a dead fastball hitter will show you that he's sitting on a breaking pitch. And as a coach, you got to be able to relay that to your pitcher and your catcher that, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious he's turning the field. He's sitting on breaking balls because you've been giving him a steady diet and he's having trouble. Now the fastball plays. And so, you know, you tell him, okay, now use your fastball more in this, in this situation, in these counts and, uh, and, and shy away from the breaking ball, particularly maybe when you're trying to finish the guy because now with two strikes, he's really sitting on a breaking pitch, which makes the fastball even more effective. So, you know, there's adjustments you make, you know, during a game. You come in with a plan, um, but some of the plans I think that people have now are too general of a plan of like Will said, uh, from long-term observations rather than the now. Yeah, that, uh, you know, and, and, and we talk about it all the time and you see it in the game that, you know, and I, we all learn from older people that have been around the game and had the wisdom and experience of the game. Watch the game. It will tell you what, what to do, you know as a manager, as a coach and, and Mark, you know, so many years you were in the dugout, you know, you, you know, you and Grover or whoever you were with Jack McKeon, you're watching the game and you're playing the game an inning ahead of time because you're seeing what's happening. And now I see managers and coaches, they got their heads buried in books and iPads and they're not watching the game. And clearly a pitcher is getting tired and they haven't even noticed it yet. Yeah. And they're late getting somebody up or whatever. I know Mark had used the word general, but are they, are the plans too rigid in that um, they're rigid enough to where it's not allowing people to think, but yeah, that's, general enough to where there's an escape clause. If there's, you know, yeah. something. Well, that, no, that, that, that's a great point. You know, it, it is very, it is very scripted so that in the moment, if you're pitching someone away and they've moved up on the plate and they're diving and they're now right on you, guys are not recognizing that and making an adjustment to it. Yeah. Well, they're going to stay out there. And then what you have is what Mark said in the beginning of the show is that a guy makes a pitch down and away and they hit a home run to right center field. And you go, gosh, how did he hit that? Well, he moved up on the you know, you know, catchers used to be taught to look down at their feet and hitters used to move and do all kinds of stuff. And, and, and now they don't do it. You know, it's, it's the same. It's, it, there's, there's no cat and mouse game that's really going on. It all comes from the fact that nobody's taught the game. No, they exactly. want to be told what to do. So if you're taught, if you're not taught the game, you don't have an opinion. 
you know, people used to ask me, you know, what do you like uh, about a starting pitcher, you know, good starting pitchers? And I said, because they have an opinion. And they go, what do you mean? I said, they know it's, it's their ass on the line. And they know that they're going to make the final decision on the pitcher throwing, and they have an opinion on what to throw based on, right. on their observations. The problem is we have very few people in the game today that can base their decisions on their observations. Right. And, 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 and now when you watch, as Mark and I were talking the other day, the game has become so predictable right-handed pitcher, right-handed hitter. He's going to throw sweeping breaking balls. Um, You know, he's going to try to get the guy to chase him. Uh, He's going to try to run a four-seamer at the top of the zone. Now the right-hander's facing a left-hander. He's going to raise the angle and try to throw a 12-6 to curveball to the same, to to, to a different hitter. And it's, it's like so predictable what you watch sometimes that it's like, yeah, okay, here comes... Here comes another slider. Here comes another curveball. Here comes another fastball. On the other hand, you know, because so many lefties coming in, they're throwing that sweep and breaking ball to lefties. Right. Um, Lefties that play every day, they learn to protect against that. Right. You know, they may not be able to take the best swing on it, but they can protect against it. What you need to observe is, what happens when that left-hander throws a fastball in on that on that guy trying to protect away? He right. blows his bat up, he pops it up, he grounds out to first or second. Right. That's what people need to observe. That's what people need to teach the audience when they're watching yeah. the game. Now, did you notice what? Why did he jam him? He jammed him because he was protecting the way off that breaking ball. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm back, guys. You guys brought up a good point. I want Bob to answer this. Bob, Will, and Mark talking about, you know, there's not a lot of people allowed to think in the game. They don't have that exercise. They haven't exercised that muscle in a while and sometimes not permitted. Do you think that's why baseball has is starting to push the veteran scouts away from the game because they are challenging it and they are thinking and they, they I guess they, they scare the heck out of some baseball people? They scare the heck out of the computer, guys. Because the computer guys think they have all the answers. And they they don't equate a fastball of, from one guy and the action of a fastball versus the fastball of another guy who it just it looks different. One of the jobs of an advanced guy is to tell the staff that you're working for, this is the guy that matches up because he can do this. I remember when I first went to Oakland, I was preparing a team and we had Kenny Rogers pitching, and the, the game I was scouting to prepare our team for that had Randy Johnson pitching for Seattle. It's a little different fastball with those two guys. Right. And but the but before that, before I go further on that, one thing I always did pertaining to what Mark was saying before, one of the first things I did was write down stance and stride on my advance form. I wanted to know where that lead foot was going. And if that if everybody today dives because they're they're not afraid of getting hit and they're they're wearing medieval body armor anyway. I mean, the only place you can hit a guy anymore is his neck, and then you're not allowed to do that. I don't know how Bob Gibson could ever survive today. But anyway, getting back to uh what you were saying about stuff like sweep. What's a sweep? A sweeper's a flat slider. Right. That's all it is. Right. I mean, it's sweeper, my ass, sweeper. Uh, you know. 
How, how would you have, uh, you know, when you're, let's say you're watching, I know, Will, you, you were talking about a prospect you saw last night. Um, seems like a thinking uh, ball player right now before the, they yeah. got the hooks in them. But, uh, Bob, when you were doing advanced scouting, I mean, Will and Mark were talking about cat and mouse with the hitters, guys moving around the box. Uh, oh, yeah. Did you write that up? I mean, we don't. I don't see that anymore. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, they both know a guy that had more stances than anybody in the history of baseball was Cal. Cal Ripken had a different stance for a different pitch, and he could get into the pitcher's head and know what was coming. I mean, all these guys now, they dive or they bail, one of the two. Right. They they don't bail very much because there's no need to. I mean, it's the game has changed so much in approach, and you mentioned before about thinking. I get so ticked off when I see players all over the field reaching to their back pocket for a card to tell them where to stand. Don't you watch? Doesn't anybody watch the game anymore? They're so in turn that they, they have to see their iPad. They have to see their last to bat. Watch a pitcher now and then. See what a pitcher's trying to do to a guy that's on your own club. That way you can figure out what he's going to do to you. Yeah. No, it's – it's amazing. Uh, you know, last night the catcher got hit, hurt mid-inning, and they had to bring in a new catcher, and uh, he forgot to bring his wristband. They had, a call timeout. they had a call timeout to go get a wristband because he didn't know what to call. Uh, it's, it's, it is amazing. But. You know, it would be, it would be interesting if, if somebody would do it, you know, in-game – where they would get rid of all that stuff and with a group of really good players, I'm saying right. one of the elite teams and say, listen, fellas, watch the game. You position yourself out there in left field and center field, shortstop. You, you know, the pitch that's getting thrown. So if you want to cheat, cheat to the pool side or the other way, um, you know, catchers, pitchers, you know, look at the – watch the hitter recognition. When a guy pulls one over the dugout on a good fastball, you know he's pretty much got pretty good bat speed that you might want to change speeds on him. You know, like let's play this game with <coughs> with logic within our abilities and see how it plays out. I'd love to see a team do that because I would you know, think you, every you, bit you, or more success than they're having now. It would be neat to try that in spring training and just turn your guys loose and say – you're on your own. You guys are going to play them the way you pitch, play them and pitch them the way, you know, the way you you guys think is the best way to do it. Um, you know, when I ran uh, my, my scout team program when my son was in high school, I, that's how we did our fall ball. We had no signs. We had nothing. They, they ran the game. They were the managers and coaches. And they they figured out how to get hitters out. They figured out when to hit and run, when to bunt, how to play people defensively because we wanted them to learn. You know, uh, you know, like I say all the time, if somebody else always does your thinking for you, you never learn anything. But the when you catchers do- are the catchers are the the absolute poster ch- children for that. There are so many catchers that never call a pitch. Right. They're high school coaches calling pitches for them. They're college coaches right. calling pitches for them. They can't call a pitch in professional baseball because they've never learned how. No. no. And with a, and with so little instruction going on in the minor leagues nowadays because they've gotten rid of all the instructors, they have the computer guys doing the instructing, 
you never learn anything. Pitchers and catchers don't learn in the minor leagues anymore. The pitcher only pitches about half an inning a year anyway. I mean, they're restricted in terms of pitch count. They're restricted on the amount of innings. Will, you're out and about. How many teams have pitching staffs of 15 and 20 guys so a pitcher only pitches – once a week and it gets two innings. Well, I'm, How do you- I'm, I'm, I'm on my second day and we had a seven inning doubleheader last night and a single nine inning game. And the one team that I'm covering, I've already seen 13 pitchers. So you're halfway through that team. <laughs> I, you know, they have 18 listed. The, the roster's manipulated. As I talk about, there's, Two guys that are on a minor league rehab, which is another new new way to keep <laughs> keep depth in your system and not count against your roster, I guess, or whatever. You got developmental list. The roster changes every day. There's 40 guys there, but with that many pitchers, you have two reliever. You, you have relievers that throw two one inning stints a week, and that's not that's not player development. And then you have piggyback starters that throw three and four innings, and that's not player development. How does starting pitching is still the key to our game? Without it, how can you develop a starter if you limit him to three or four innings and you don't reward him with a W? Your team is. I'm watching Zach Gallon yesterday. Zach Gallon is one of the top pitchers in the baseball. He can really pitch. He's not a huge velocity guy. He had to he had to trick Philadelphia yesterday because he he's got ninety three ninety four, which is average fastball nowadays, in the tank. But he he adds and subtracts. He can throw a couple different breaking balls. He's at pitch one hundred. He got there easy, and all of a sudden the manager for Arizona is coming out to take him out. Why? Right. It's oh. up. He, he could have gone. He had one hundred thirty in the tank, and they pull him out. And bringing a whole parade of relievers who give up the runs, because all these relievers now, with all these the, the new wave of, of uh, instructions, just throw it through a wall wherever it goes. Don't learn how to pitch; just throw it hard. And these guys just all come up, and they're they're two zero on everybody because they can't throw it in the zone. It's so frustrating. I mean, there are if you're a starting pitcher. You get 35 starts. You want to have an opportunity to get some wins. Yeah. And you're not allowed to do that in today's baseball. Well, well, I'll, here, I'll, here's, a, here's another one. You know, when players are developed in the minor leagues uh, with the trend of limiting innings, um, you get to the big leagues, and I always laugh when I'm watching a game, and they'll make a comment. Maybe, maybe get past some people, but it doesn't get past me, and they go – Boy, this is the most innings in a game he's ever thrown. Yeah, ever. A, a guy's thrown he, six innings in the big leagues a game, and he never threw six innings in a minor league game. You know, like wow. you know, you think about stuff like that to where you know the only way you get better, the only way your command gets better, the only way you get a feel to pitch is to pitch. Right. And so when you're asked at the major league level to win a game or to extend deep into a game they're not prepared to do that they are not prepared to do it they never did it in the minor leagues so how do we expect them to do it in the major leagues the guys that actually do it are guys like cole 
guys that are Scherzer, guys that have been pitching for a long time, and they're able to do it because they pitch for a long time. Here, you know, these me, young guys can't do it. Let me throw something out. You know, the the do because okay, you mentioned Cole and Verlander and Scherzer and Kershaw and and the guys who are truly still left that are kind of horses. Look at what they have to pay those guys. Is there almost a conspiracy theory to never have another horse and have, you know, you know, multiple inning openers uh, just to keep salaries down, maybe? I, 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 I don't know because – I think that's part of it, Will. I think the other thing, when they changed the, uh, the roster rules – and you could bounce guys back and forth. Some clubs, and I, you know, I've been with six different teams. Some of the clubs I was with would do that. Yeah, they would have a taxi squad basically because their relievers are all AAA and four A guys anyway. Right. So they would just move them up and down. Yeah. No. I. You know. You know. You know. Some teams you look at the manager looks like he has a twenty six man pitching staff with manipulated up and down guys that just keep going up and down just to give them innings and a blowout. But then they use the same guys that come in and max effort, throw hard until they have to have their Tommy John surgery. Right. So Bob Bob hit on it, you know, that because the pitchers aren't going as deep into the game, the starters, you're going with these bullpen guys. Now it's easier to train a guy to throw hard and be nasty than it is to command the ball. Right. Because you need reps to command the ball. Right. And these guys don't even get enough reps in the minor leagues. They're throwing they're most of the relievers are one inning guys in the minor leagues. Yeah. So so when they get to the big leagues, that's all they know. That's all the catcher can expect is to sit down the middle and hope that they can get it there. Right. You know, it's there's very few guys in the back end of bullpens, and when you see them, it's real obvious that command the ball. Right, You know, like the best closers in the game throughout history were not the guy. They had nasty stuff, but they all had the ability to command certain parts of the strike zone. Well, the, well, the, the, best, why they, the best pitch. That's why they were so good. They had nasty stuff, just like the guys do now. But the guys now, the difference is they can't command anything. Right. You know, like the Mets are piecing together the back end of the game with two veterans – Adavina and David Robertson, who both have improved their command, and that's why they're being successful at the back end of the game. They do not have the dominating stuff that they once had, but they're commanding the ball better. And, you know, I mean, you, you know, look back to Eckersley, you know, when he went into the bullpen. He was not tremendously overpowering, but he never made a mistake, you know. Uh, until the World Series when Gibson Gibson hit the backdoor slider for the home run for the walk-off. But, you know, uh, yeah. You, that was that thanks to an advanced scout, right, That's Bob? right. Mel, 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 Mel Didier. Mel Didier said that 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 if, if he's having a tough time putting you away, he'll try to backdoor slider. And that's what Gibson was setting on at three and two. What they hit, what the uh, the people listening to this have to understand a couple things too about pitching in general. They have to understand hitters don't hit every every pitch. Right. They don't hit every location. Right. They sit on pitches. 
they they cut the plate in half. Right. They will look down and away. They'll look up and in. You don't have to look up and in much anymore because nobody goes there. But because uh, you, you know, our fearless commissioners decided, oh, we can't we can't scare our hitters. Oh my goodness, that would be terrible. To not even close. I mean, it's if you turn the clock back a couple of decades and you put those pitchers up against these hitters. It would be carnage right. on the field because the guys would move move guys off the plate. I was thinking last night with the Phillies, Mike Schmidt uh, was on over the weekend. He does Sunday games in Philadelphia. And every time I see Mike Schmidt or hear Mike Schmidt, I think Bruce Keeson, who decided that Mike Schmidt was never going to hit a ball off of him, so he'll hit him first. Right. And uh, – Keeson's delivery had a nice running fastball that ran about rib high, mostly. Right, and uh, there were there were a few of those, and I would love to see guys like that, like the, uh, pitching today's baseball. It'll be a, it would be a different game. Hitters would make the adjustments because they'd be afraid, even with all the body armor they wait to, they wear today. Well, you know, but most of the hitters now walk up to the box and they dig a hole to China. And that right. was something that was never allowed back when 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 we all played. If a guy was going to dig in, you were going to you were going to loosen his feet back up. You know, it was just you know you you know you know you're not going to grab a toe hold on me and come swing out of your ass. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. and 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 now it's just commonplace in the hitter in the pitcher. Okay, yeah, dig in real good so you can dive. I'm going to throw you some sweepers out over the plate here. <laughs> so, oh boy, hey, Bob, you know, you you advanced for so many years, and and we've already discussed how the command level has 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 changed throughout the years. And is there any specific time when you were advancing where you started to see? Less and less command, particularly by the back ends of the bullpens and the middle bullpen. Yeah, I basically I, I started to see it in this during this uh, century, and it was basically as I lost my fellow advanced guys, and we started to go with the computer gerbils setting everything up. Uh, that's when velocity became king, and command went away. Jamie Moyer, who was my, one of my favorite guys ever to to advance, he couldn't break your a pane of glass. He, he, threw, he threw 80 to 85 with his fastball, and he mixed it with changes and sinkers and, and cutters, and, but he commanded the, the zone. And the best pitch in the game of baseball is a located fastball. Still is. Period. End of story. Still is. That's the if you can command a fastball down and away on the black, you're going to be very successful in our game. And if, well, back in the day when you actually had development, when the instruction league, you had actual instruction, you get your fastball command first before you move up in an organization. Then you work in and get something soft, like a change up that you can command to work off of and then add another Spinning breaking ball, a slider or a curveball, preferably curveball, because the best organizations in the history of our game taught fastball, curveball change. None of the sliders 
none of the cutters, none of that trick stuff that goes over walls. Right. It was all basic stuff. One of the back in the day, the Baltimore organization taught it as well as anybody. The Dodger organization taught it as well as anybody because they commanded the fact. And if you wanted to move up in an organization, you didn't have social promotion. Oh, you're a first round draft. You got to move up even though you're hitting a buck 50. No, you earned your way up. When you signed back in the day, if you're a first rounder or a 50th rounder, you earned your next promotion. That doesn't happen anymore. Talk about social promotion to our audience. Tell, tell them what that we mean by that. Uh, basically, what happens nowadays is that if you get a lot of money when you sign, we are going to do everything we can to prove to our fans that all that money that we're giving players is really getting good players. And so they are moved up from A ball to double A to triple A based upon the amount of money they got, not necessarily the performance they're putting on the field. There are guys that will be hitting 210 and 220 in A ball that get promoted. And, Will, you see it all the time at yeah. your level. Oh, it's hard. It's, uh, and people say, oh, well, he's only hitting a buck fifty in A ball, but we gave him a ton of money, so he must be a good player. Some scout that saw him in Yakima totally really liked this. Mike. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, we saw it. The other thing that people should look at uh, is the fact that it used to be that a ball, That's a mic double issue. A, Rob, yeah. fix up. But well, well, maybe you can expound. Yeah, I'll, I'll elaborate. You know, the, the 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 high draft picks get socially promoted. You know, they're not capable. You know. Uh, Mark was our minor league pitching coordinator when I first started working, and we had criteria. You didn't get promoted until you were capable of doing the things that Bob just talked about, commanding a fastball, being able to, you know, and, and, and you know, you had, you had, you know, hitters that. But it says I'm back online. Yeah. Yeah, you're back, Bob. Yeah, I was just elaborating where I know you were going, where the social promotion is, is, is the kids that get is the kids that get promoted. Yeah, and so so some of that's predetermined as much as the game is nowadays. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kids. Well, you know, he's we're going to promote him up to Double A. Well, you know, he hit two ten last year, and he yeah. struck out over fifty percent of his at bats. Yeah, and that's my, one of my favorite phrases. If the guy's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? No, and and, and you know they and and they end up playing in the big leagues because they were high draft picks. Yeah. They, you know, they you have stay long, but they get there. Yeah, because um, because because the the GM and the scouting director are going to prove, you know, that well, you know, <laughs> you know, then that goes as your big leaguers that you developed. They're and they're not big leaguers at all. Uh, the, the thing that happens is it's, you know, the sample size is that, you know, you know, as well as I do, there's one guy for some reason that'll all of a sudden click that has never, has never clicked. That's a high draft pick. And so everybody's trying to catch lightning in a bottle with their high draft picks. You know, they're trying to catch lightning right. in the bottle, hoping that if we move them up all of a sudden they'll become an all-star player and start 
perform. Right. That's like uh, the reverse scientific method. Well, they're trying to their math. Very, very few times does that really happen. But they're trying to prove their math right, where they have they have what they want to prove, and then they move the pieces forward to just so they can say yes, I was right, instead of getting it right, basically. Yeah, right. there's there there's there's no criteria. There's no um, and there's a lot of kids that get passed by that never get opportunities that you know have pretty good minor league careers, and you go, gosh, kid never even got a chance, and he knew how to pitch a little bit, or you know, they just don't get chances and, or. Well, we used to try to do, and, and I, I was adamant about it, that when we got another player from another organization, that we explained to him that you perform, you're going to move. Right. And, and that, that we look at you like we do everybody else in the organization. You're part of the organization now. I don't care how you got here, but you're part of it. And we had some success with some guys that had never been given opportunities in other organizations and got to the big leagues and performed. And uh, you just have to look because everybody learns on a different path. You know, some people learn a little, they have ability, but it takes them a while. That's why some of these guys go to these independent leagues and they come out of independent leagues and they're a good major league player because they just needed the reps. They need to maybe clear their head. Maybe they had a lot of stuff going on. Um, or they and, go over to Korea or Japan and, and, and they figure out how to pitch over there. Or yeah, because they're kind of forced to. They're forced to because they're in an alien area, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, once a guy puts on your uniform, it shouldn't matter what his signing bonus was. He has a professional uniform on. Because someone there felt he can play in the big leagues, and that's what you do. You try to develop develop what he can do to be a big league player. And if he's better than the kid that got eight times more money than him, then so be it. That's okay because the game is still built around failure. You know, it, it, it's okay. Not every guy we sign gets to the big leagues. Not every guy we develop gets to the big leagues. Not every pitcher wins every game and not every hitter gets a hit every time up. The game is built around failure. It's a hard game. Bob, but, are you back? Bob, yeah, go ahead. Bob. Hey, Bob, uh, I was wondering, when you advanced scout, did you use any analytics, um, you know, numbers? Uh, some, not much. I They provided a lot of stats for me in a couple of the clubs. Um, I guess when I got to the Mets was the first time that I had a lot of numbers that were given, but I didn't, I, I used my eyes. My eyes told me a lot more than any number. I learned that with Oakland for years, you know, years ago. We had, we had good success because we were, well, we had good people, <laughs> basically. We had good instruction. I mean, we, when I was there, when I was there, we had zero Tommy John surgeries because our pitching coordinator uh, did a great job developing pitchers. And uh, the thing about Oakland, I mean, everybody looks at Oakland. Don't, I don't think Oakland is that movie, folks. Right. That was not. The, the movie focused in on a couple of part-time players. Uh, how could you do a movie about the Oakland A's and not mention Hudson Mulder Zito? I mean, that's ridiculous. 
But Shout anyway, Ana. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Miguel. Uh, yeah. I guess uh, he's only the MVP. How could he not make it into the movie? Yeah. Uh, you know, no, no analytic data coming out of the Dominican for that tr- that sign, was there? <laughs> hey, and he got five grand to sign. Exactly. Five grand. That which is a problem in Latin America now, because a lot of the Latin players that used to sign for five and ten and twenty thousand dollars, they're getting multi millions. Yeah. And if you've ever been down in Dominican, if you pay a guy five million, ten million dollars, you've set him, you've set his family, you've set generations of his family up for life. And his buscado and his handler and everybody else that's got their hands in the kids' money. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they couldn't patch the roof at the Plaza Naco, but other than that. Right, or the the elevator would break with no air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite one at the Dominican, just in a part, this for a second here. After a hurricane came through, all the buttons in the elevator fell out. And so if you're going to go up in the elevator, you had to to look at the the light under the door to figure out what what floor you were at. Uh, that was a good yeah, old. We had a good time in the Dominican. Yeah, Let's share a couple stories down there for our audience. Dominican. Well, story. I, 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 I did want to share a Bob Johnson story. You know, oh. I have two of my guys on here. Bob recommended me to the Orioles for my first pitching coach job. I had worked part time for Bob, and he had scouted me in high school. So Uh-oh. when he was with the Pirates, uh, they. Yeah, they had a a tryout camp up in New Jersey that he invited me and my brother to. My brother was five years older. He was a college pitcher, and um, the Pirates used to. uh, If you know, you came in as a pitcher, but because of Donnie Robinson, who was a really good athlete, they made everybody run the sixty. So they matched me and my brother up. Everybody got their. their sundials out the the, the, the measure us running. I beat my brother by a step at eight two in the sixty, and all the scouts at the end were laughing their ass off. At, you know, him and I are competing our ass off, and I'm trying to beat my older brother, which I did, but I couldn't run worth a darn. But uh, but yeah, I mean Bob Bob and I go way way back, and you know these are. You know, two of my favorite guys, as I've talked about on these podcasts, that it's the relationships in in our lives. But, yeah, the Dominican, uh, so many good stories. I I, I was crazy enough to drive down there, and I would drive us to games, and, you know, we would get pulled over by cops. Uh, Bob, were you with me today? T-Bone spit in the cop's face when he had a cold? (laughs) No. No, I wasn't there for that. I don't know. Uh, I lost a connection for a little bit here. I didn't know what you went over. Uh, oh, oh, I went over uh, the, the the first time I met you at the tryout camp, and you and Gene made me and my brother race each other. Oh, you yeah, in the sixty? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You got your sundials out, and everybody was laughing yeah. at the end of the at the end of the line there as I beat my brother by two steps. You're- you ran the seven plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my brother did an eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was what do you, what do you, do you think it's harder 
to evaluate minor league players now because because the really good ones their competition's not as good right you know like so it's easy to easier to perform even though many of them don't uh, because of the, some of the other things we talked about yeah i you know um so many you know so many things there mark you know like you know for the hitters um they hit off the pitching machine every day and they crank the velocity up uh you know they only hit on the field two or three days a week they hit in the cages a lot so you don't get that feedback you used to get in the field for the hitters you know to me they don't take enough ground balls. They don't take enough balls off the bat. I I, I, I see, you know, and, and I talk to a lot of older guys, you know, we see kids that we love. You know, we love the athleticism of the younger players and how hard some of these kids have worked to become pretty advanced skills-wise. And I'll talk a little bit about Jackson Holiday, who I'm watching now, how good he is, but you know, you, you lose faith in the system to develop them to be as good as they should be because they're not doing certain things. Well, when was the last time you saw an infield? I did see one the other day, but it was the first one I had seen in two weeks. <laughs> um, uh, I have not seen a team fundamental in five years. And we used to do team fundamentals every homestand. Explain what that is, Will. Okay, Team Fundamentals, we're home for a seven-day homestand. We're going to do pitcher's fielding practice. Uh, We're going to cover first base. We're going to turn double plays. We're going to work on fielding bunts off both sides of the thing. We're going to work through maybe uh, we're going to come out as a whole team and do cutoffs and relays, and the pitchers are going to run the bases while you're doing that. And you're going to work on backing up bases, um, you're going to go through your bunt defenses. You're going to maybe work on any pickoff plays that you have. Nobody does any of that ever, ever. That's yeah. um, why outfielders can't throw and they right. can't throw anybody out. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch, you know, and that's what a lot of us older guys, you know, you see a kid that you go, wow, love to have this kid, but they're – their their pitching development is not very good here. The coaches don't coach. They sit with an iPad and look at pitch shapes, but the deliveries are bad. You know, like like we talk about, you know, they're chasing the finished product, but they're not building the foundation that's going to give us the finished product. If you have a good delivery and you're on time and you're balanced and your direction's good and you're behind the ball, all those tricky tools that you're looking for in, in, in the analytics are all going to be there, but nobody's watching the delivery. They're just looking at the iPad and going, wow, that's it there. Well, he just threw a sweeper that bounced in the left-handed batter's box. That's not a good pitch. It was a ball out of his hand, but it had, it had wide depth and, 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 you know, whatever angled angle break and all whatever whatever it is they're looking for. So yeah, there's it's you know I I, I, I worry about you know 
some of these kids not developing to be as good as they could be. And you're seeing these, these, you know, when you're talking about the team fundamentals, obviously you guys are seeing that manifest itself in the game. You're not. Oh yeah. Yeah. You watch. That was a play yesterday. And uh, in the ninth inning, Arizona, Philadelphia, man on Philly had a guy on second base, ground ball back to the pitcher. The guy on second broke. The guy on second was literally halfway between second and third. All the pitcher had to do is turn around, look at him, run at him. He would take a guy out of scoring position himself. Right. No, he turned around. What do I do? What do I do? I'll throw to first. Yeah. And it cost him a run. Yeah. Oh, that's that. That's the other one we used to work on, rundowns. Oh, my gosh. Rundowns are, are like watching uh, a, 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 play, a playground playground game of pickle with 10-year-olds. Yeah. You know, you've got guys running and faking, running and faking, throwing balls all over the place. Uh, nobody coming in, you know, no rotation to know where you should be, no, no way to know how to to shut sh- shut down a rundown, you know. Uh, you know, those are things we used to work on all the time when I when I was a player and a coach. Who throws, right? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, get them running, give it up. You know, I always didn't take kindly to you know when. When the, when the pitcher was involved and Cal Ripken Sr. would go, get it out of his hands as soon as possible. <laughs> and, uh, because, you know, I mean, I could I could get the guy to commit and make a good throw, but, you know, I understood where he was going. You wanted your guys that handle the ball all the time to handle that. So, But you were in an organization that was one of the premier development organizations in our game. Yeah. yeah. A lot of organizations don't do that stuff. No. They don't care about that stuff. They don't do it. And th- it shows on the field. Yeah. Bob, is there anybody now that's coming close to that, that you see that still does it, the, 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 I guess, the Oriole way or other like other teams that were doing it that way? I, you know, Bob, I, I, I will say I know guys that cover the Tampa organization and they still do team fundamentals. And, you know, Tampa at the big league level – is is playing the game to win and their guys know how to win. They seem, you know, they seem to win at every minor league level too, because they do, they do work every day. They take BP on the field every day. They, they take infield a lot. They, they work on things. But, you know, the, 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 some of the things I see as a problem going forward is, is some of the better players, people that played the game the right way, that had unbelievable work ethic, that built, them in, built themselves into really good players and consistent over years and years, they're not staying in the game. No. I mean, you look at, look at, you look at Jeter. Jeter was part owner of that team, and he's gone out of baseball now. Cal, Cal, has never, Cal Ripken's never had an opportunity to, like, be with a ball club and have some say right. in it. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at guys in today's game, you know, I look at people with maybe, you know, not a Hall of Fame type career, but like Justin Turner. Justin Turner, he made himself a good player. Right. He, he became the leader of an elite team because he did things the right way and he learned 
how to sit on pitches. He learned how to, and his teammates learned from him. Yeah. You know, those are the kind of guys that might need to end up, you know, help running this game. We got to those guys. Their, the value of practice, the value of repeating things, you know, the value of observation. Yeah. And the thing is that every team has a couple of players who fit that mold and say, this guy has got a chance to be a very co- big contributor to our game in general. As he, as he gets older, he leaves the actual major league roster, but he can do things that can help a team win. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, you know, so many, uh, you know, there's, they're, they're, you're right, Mark. We're not keeping or we're not hiring enough good baseball people. And, you know, and, and there's guys that have good long minor league careers that end up being really good managers and coaches. And Well, most and, of them are. The best coaches are probably the minor league guys because they didn't get so much money as a player to where they appreciated the game as it was. And and the, really the best money they ever make is in – in in the major leagues as a coach. Well, you you know, the other thing I will say too is sometimes the really good player thinks the game is a little easier than it actually is and can't relate with all the other people that are struggling. Because I did work with a former big leaguer who was a very, very good athlete and a pretty darn good big league player and he could not understand why kids in the New York Penn League couldn't do certain things. And I finally I said, hey, they ain't you. These kids aren't you. These these kids are different kids. You know, this is all, you know, you got to be more patient with them. I mean, you know, you're, you know, you're verbally abusing these kids because they can't do things you did when you were in the big leagues. Yeah. You know, those are the guys that you, uh, you feel bad, but you have to let them go. Yeah. Uh, they're, star players that just don't relate to today's players or players in general. Um, And, you know, I, you know, I had a guy that was a a great player that went into coaching and he told me they, they just won't listen to me. Right. And I said, well, I said, listen, I'm no hall of fame player, but I've been coaching for a lot of years. You have to figure out a way to get to them to where they will listen to you and trust you. Right. So, and he, his comment was, well, if he's not listening, I got no time for him. So wrong approach. he was in the wrong profession because he didn't understand what coaching is about. Well, they make uh, so much money playing now that there's no incentive. No, no. Absolutely. You know, they want to be home with their families and watch their kids grow and stuff. So I, I get that. But, right. you know, you got to have some kind of incentives to get them to, 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 to be involved in the game, I think. Well, guys, we've had Bob on for almost an hour here. Any any parting questions for him? Any any uh, stories? Or Bob, what didn't you get off your chest? Say what? What else do you want to share with our audience? Um, basically, watch the game. Don't watch an iPad. Realize that the awful lot of people in the game today are working off statistics and iPads. Watch the game. If you're if you're take infield. Learn how to hit in on the field. I mean, it's 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 abusive to hitters to hit in cages rather than on the field with a bat in your hand. It's abusive to to fielders to have to go out and say, "All right, you're in right field today. 
throw that guy out at third base, the guy that can really run. Right. No, you can't just go out there and, and will it. You have to work on things. Our game is a repetitive game. You've got to work on skills. If I if if it's up to me, if I'm commissioner for a day, I'm taking all the body armor off. I'm making every team take batting practice on the field. I'm making sure they all take infield, outfield every day because that's the best way to learn and get accuracy in throwing arms. My favorite moment in terms of, of outfielders was at the 1976 All-Star Game where we uh, the teams got together, the, right, the National League guys all took infield, and it was Ellis Valentine, it was Reggie Smith, it was Dave Parker, it was Dave Winfield, and they had a throwing contest. That was a thrill to see. Now, I think the best arms I've ever seen in the outfield are Ichiro and Clemente, but uh, those other guys could all really throw. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero would be in that category. Senior, I don't know how, how junior would be in the outfield, but senior could really throw. But you always, but because he didn't really work as hard as he should have, to me, you always ran on Vladimir because it might be into the catcher's glove, but it also might be in the third base box. You don't know where it was going to go. Yeah, right. Rob, he, you know, um, when he was in Montreal, I told Clint Hurdle that one time. I said, he's got an 80 arm, but you have no idea where it's going because he hasn't taken infield in three years. But when he was a kid in Harrisburg, the first time you saw him and Jim Tracy had him taking it, <coughs> I thought I was watching Roberto Clemente. Yeah. Yeah, they sent me into, into Harrisburg to see him, when it, whether he should have been promoted up to, up to AAA. <clears throat> the top of the first inning, he catches the ball at the fence in center field, throws a guy out at the plate. That's pretty good on the fly. Then he gets up in the bottom of the first and hits the flagpole dead center at about the top of the flagpole. Said, right. oh, not bad. Not too bad. Not but, too bad. Uh, and Felipe said, oh, but can he hit the slider down in the way, Bob? Yeah. So I'll have to watch that, Felipe. We'll but, see. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, too, is that when you go to your, your next minor league game or your local games, see if, if teams work on any of that stuff. They don't take infield. They don't take – I mean, you mentioned PFP before. Boy, there are so many examples of that, of pitchers not knowing what they're doing with the ball, not knowing where to, th- to throw, not knowing if they should cover a bag or not. I mean, that's that's repetitive spring training oh. stuff. PFP yeah. – yeah. I was, was going to share one quick one. Uh I've had this happen four times this year. First and second, no outs, ground ball back to the pitcher. Mark, where, where, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're go- oh, my gosh, I got a double play. Nope. They turned and thrown the third base four different times for me this year. <laughs> four different times where the pitcher, and it wasn't where it was taking them off to the right towards third base. It was right back at him. One hop, and they turn and throw at the third base. And I'm going, am I watching a high school game or a Babe Ruth late game? Are you kidding me? Share, share with our audience. Well, just said we got a young audience out there. Share with them what they should have done. Well, you know, it's a, it, it, a couple of them were one hop where you actually can turn your body a little bit because you're going to catch it waist high. 
You got your feet cleared, your hips cleared. You make a perfect throw to second, one pitch, two outs. Yep. It's an easy double play ball. Got a man on third, get the next hitter out on a pop-up, and you're out of the inning. Well, let me ask you this. Maybe not along those lines, but how many times in today's game the pitchers have such little confidence in throwing a comebacker to the first base, they run it over there. Oh, all the time. Because yeah. Unbelievable. What, you know what that's from? That's from no practice. No practice. Because right. they, you practice and it's just automatic. You don't even think about it. You flip it over there. Exactly. They're panic, they panic, so they go, I'm running it over there. i got to get this out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it happens all the time. There's no touch or feel like we had, you know, you, I got it, I got it. And then you just flip it and you hit the guy right in the chest and you got an easy out on a ball. You jammed the guy. Now I, I actually saw a kid that waited too long and, and didn't realize that the kid could run that was hitting because they don't pay attention to the game. And he, and, and instead of getting the third out, he ended up giving up four runs that inning on that play after that play. <laughs> he waited too long. He was running it over, and then he tried to rush it, and he threw it high. So the guy beat it. He walked the next guy. He gave up a double, and then he gave up a home run, and he should have been out of the inning. Is this an A ball, at least, I hope? Where might oh, no, no, no. This was in the big – no. <laughs> it was it was, <laughs> it was No, it was in low A ball, but it was still – it was just – Oh, yeah. It it's says – but there's you know, no instruction. No, 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 because I haven't seen PFP. Well, if, there, if there is instruction, they better figure out a better way of doing it. Yeah, That's maybe awesome. maybe a new a new kind of instruction that would maybe, be. Maybe it's like in spring training. I mean, it's the my worst spring training moment is when Charlie Manuel is talking to a hitter down in Clearwater a few years ago. And there aren't very many hitting coaches better than Charlie Manuel. Nope. And a – I don't want to be sexist there. Anyway, a, a Philly staffer came over, said, Charlie, I need to take player X. He has to look at the video here of what he can do to work on his swing path. I mean, yep. swing path? Come on. You got a guy in – Oh no! That's Charlie just turned around and said, "What am I supposed to do?" Yep, I uh, somebody sent me a picture from their instructional league with Charlie talking to the uh, Charlie talking to the grounds crew, and that same employee was working with the hitter on the tee, <laughs> and they said, "What's wrong with this picture?" Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. I mean. At least now that, that Dombrowski is back with Philly, they can they can make some improvements. And he's still got work to do in terms of changing their staff around. But uh, it's it's very noticeable. I want to ask you this, and we'll kind of close with this. You said viewers are for a day with Major League Baseball. Some of the things you you do, if you were given your own team right now to construct your scouting staff, pitching staff, who would your staff be? Manager, you name it. And uh, big league team? Big league team, yep. Okay. Bruce Bochy's my manager. 
I would somehow, some way, convince Rick Peterson to come back as my pitching coach. That'd be hard to do. He had, you know, but 17 years and zero Tommy Johns is a pretty good resume item uh, and good success. I would, the hitting guy, I would probably, I think Charlie would be a good choice. Uh, one of the guys that never got the credit he should have got is Lee Elia. Uh, he, these are all old guys, though, so I don't know. Uh, best third base coach I've ever seen is Larry Boa. He was by far the best ever, as far as I'm concerned. He was a little too much of a hothead as a manager, but as a third base coach, he was exceptional. Yeah. I'd build my team. With, I'd want a catch, throw, catcher. Uh, that catches, doesn't put his knee down. There aren't very many of them in around anymore. Even really good defenders like Real Muto puts his knee down way too much. And it's cost him. It costs him wild pitches. It's, it's you know, a lot of times you get wild, you get credited with a wild, or a pitcher gets a wild pitch, and it's a ball the catcher should have handled, either picked call, or blocked. I swear they call everything a wild pitch now. Yeah. It right. justifies the strategy. That's what it. That's the exactly. called every show. The weapons of math destruction. They call yeah. it. Yep. I'm guessing. I'm guessing Wiley and Will would be your special advisors. Oh yeah, they got well, right. They're working up. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I got two of the best. Those two of the best pitching guys I know. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, I'm going to build my team with a defensive catcher, a catch throw catcher. Uh, those guys, if they're you're good at what you do, you can hang around forever. By the way, as a backup, forever, if you can catch and actually throw. Uh, I don't mean throw throw people out. I don't care if you got a big arm. You got to be able to throw people out. I want to have my middle infielders be able to catch the ball and turn a double play. I want to have a good outfielder that can go get them. I'm really kind of asking for the club that Mark was was affiliated with in the '90s in Cleveland. Yeah, right. That's that's you know you got you got Kenny out in center, you got Vizquel, Alomar, middle of the infield, Sandy Catchin. He had some pretty good ball players in that club. Well, old fashioned, build it right up the old, middle. Old fashioned strength up the middle, good pitching and defense. Uh, you know. Uh, no, no rocket science. No rocket science there. You don't need to go to Harvard to learn how how good that is. Instead of on the fences, I hope he was. Instead of it saying no pepper allowed, it would say no iPads allowed. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Play as much pepper as you possibly can. That's 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 what all kids ought to do anyway. Yeah, it's one of my it favorites. Takes so a bat, a ball, and a couple of just a couple of kids, two or three kids to catch it, one to swing it. But you don't. You never see. You never see kids playing enough fields around anymore. Anyway, used to be. You you know, three on three games hit the opposite field. You're out. You know, a lot of, a lot of things we used to do that they don't do anymore. Everything has to be organized now. Uh, I try to keep an amateur ball. I would try to keep a rule to keep the parents out of it because the parents can screw up kids quicker than anybody. If you don't, if you don't instruct, if it's when you realize if you're in a youth league situation, you want to have your team be improving, love to play the game, and win. It's probably in, in that order. I mean, I, the, 
you know, we've always had parents that thought their kids should always play shortstop or pitch and always the best player in the team. I mean, that's, that's forever, but good, good managers, good coaches try to make kids have fun and, and teach them the game. And it's hard to get people to do that anymore. The other thing I would do if I were commissioner for a day is I would go into every team in the big leagues and I would probably line up a roster of their analytics guys and get rid of three quarters of them. Mark and Will, great show as usual. And Bob, we've got you part three next week with Coach and Kernan on Tuesday. So I hope you got a lot of ammunition left for that show. Audience loved your first episode with Joe Frazero. I know they're going to love today's tons of information for grassroots all the way to MLB front offices. And you're now global, Bob, if you weren't before. You're in 72 countries now after this show again. And just our audience, thanks for your support. 18,100 subscribers. Keep download, listen, like, subscribe, rate and review so we can, you can beat the analytics of the podcast world. We'll keep giving you great content like Bob Johnson here. And we'll get him again next Tuesday by popular demand. Um, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know where we stream, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. And then uh, we're just trying to build a better baseball IQ out here. And as we warned you before the show started on episode 189 of A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, just prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truths about baseball because this show, like all of our others, just has no time for the comfortable lies. Guys, thanks so much for another great show. You guys do a tremendous job and always bring on a great guest. And the relationships you've built over time, they, they come out loud and clear in this show. We, we appreciate you guys. Good job, Bob. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bob. Stay on, Bob, afterwards. Yep. When it was over, when her lips met mine, it was an emptiness in her voice, hesitation.